into uh, the WWE type pro wrestling stuff. Um, when I was staying at my cousin's house, I saw it on television. Um, that's when the light bulb went off. That's what I wanted to do. Um, long story short, um, in my youth, I got involved because of my love for wrestling, got involved with uh, some Greco-Roman uh, youth clubs here in Colorado. Did you do it wrestle in the, did you do yeah, go ahead. Did you do it in high school? Yes, I actually wrestled from the time I was six on up through middle school into high school and a year or two after high school. Now, uh, you said you were in the, a few Greco-Roman clubs, man. Like uh, that, that makes me happy to hear because I love hearing that when someone doesn't just have a, a training background where you know they decided to be a wrestler but started as like actual Greco-Roman, uh, it, it really translates well in the ring. Yeah, man, that actually came from my grandfather. When I told him that I wanted to be a professional wrestler, um, he pretty much was just like, okay, well, then you're going to learn how to do the right way before you learn how to do the entertainment style. What? Uh, what how old were you when you started? Uh, Greco-Roman or professional? Greco-Roman. Greco-Roman, I was six. Oh, that's awesome. So... Uh... You were kicking everyone's ass by the time you got to high school then. <laughs> I'd like to think so. Um, state Placed in state a few times, never won the whole thing, but. How has it helped you? How has it helped you in the ring? I mean, do you, do you fall back on it when you're, uh, when you're kind of thinking in the ring? If you have no like major move to go to or. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, it helps there. Um, it definitely helps, you know, when the guys try to chain wrestle with me um, and things like that. I'm able to use some variants on different holds um, and things of that nature. But, yeah, for the most part, actually, when I first started training, it was kind of a hindrance um, just because I had to get used to lightening up and not being so stiff, you know, and the Greco-Roman and freestyle world, when somebody grabs you, your initial uh, reaction is to fight it and go against their momentum and things of that nature. So it was a little bit of an obstacle and a hurdle to kind of get used to working with somebody. That makes a lot of sense, especially um, that would actually kind of scare me in your position because if I know exactly what you're talking about, when you, you get in a lock, you're supposed to get out of it right away, and you've been it's been instinctively ingrained to you. Did you get a lot of receipts at first? Um, in the training room, yeah. <laughs> How was it when you started in the training room, man? Did they? I mean, obviously, like they're they're doing their best to train you, but uh, how, do they uh, any sort of like you know fun hazing or anything like that, or the, any traditions you go through when you first start? 
No, not not where I trained at. I trained with the uh, Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling Academy, uh, which was affiliated at the time with Fusion Pro Wrestling. Um, both companies are now uh, defunct and have gone out of business. But yeah, there wasn't really too much hazing that went on or anything like that. It was pretty much they were just trying to crank out the best wrestlers possible. Um, and I firmly believe they did that. Um, a lot. There's very few of us that trained with them that are still left, but at the time we were pretty much known as the cream of the crop in Colorado independent wrestling. I just I, I didn't realize Rocky Mountain Pro went out of business. Yeah, so there was the Rocky Mountain Pro Wrestling Academy. Oh. Um, which was the name? It's it wasn't affiliated with the Rocky Mountain Pro company that's um, around today. Um, there might be a loose affiliation as that company is run by Matt Yaden and he was a student of theirs. Um, so that affiliation is probably there because of that, but yeah, it was two, it's two separate companies from what you're thinking. Gotcha. And I, I have, I gotta say, if Matt Yaden is listening, I have heard nothing but good things about that gentleman. Uh, I, I, I'd like to meet him someday. Um, everyone has all, always been talking, talking him up about training and it just makes me happy because when I first got into this, I expected a lot of shit talking. And honestly, I've heard very little of it. And uh, thank you for, you know, being that positive voice, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, now, when you're when you're training now, where where is that? Um, if I do train, I'll do an occasional drop in at the Extreme Pro Gym. Um, my schedule now keeps me pretty busy, so that's few and far between. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much where I do most of my training now. How often do you get to train? Like maybe once, twice a week? Uh, I wish. Because um, of my outside of wrestling schedule, I'd say probably once every other month if I'm lucky. <laughs> you have a family? You have kids? Uh, no kids. Um, do, have a, do have a partner that I've been with for over a year. Um, and But yeah, I have an outside gig as a burlesque performer that keeps me pretty busy plus a day job on top of that plus trying to open a new bar on top of that so <laughs> my schedule is constantly busy man i wish i could high five you right now that's awesome I, i've done some burlesque work in my in my time back when i was in oklahoma we did fetish art shows where one of my good friends she makes ceramic corsets and Oh, okay. Yeah, so we uh, I was when I was on the scene I was a DJ and you know she was um, very nice and let me into that that world and it's it's something else, isn't it? It's it, there's a lot of respect, there's a lot of freedom. And uh do you perform with uh, Lilith? I do actually. Um that's how I was able to bring Lilith into the wrestling world. Um I met her uh through burlesque. And uh, she was saying that you're the one that said, you, you're training now. Let's do this. Your training begins today. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. Um, throughout my career as a singles wrestler, I've, for the most part, always had a valet, um, especially as a, as a heel. Um, they're a great tool to have uh, and vehicle to use. So I've always had one and needed a new one um, as my former valet is retired and since moved on from the business. Um, so I asked her if she was interested because um, we were actually talking about um, doing a burlesque duet together. 
And one of the song samples that she sent me was Bray Wyatt's entrance music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if you know this is Bray Wyatt's entrance music. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm a big wrestling fan. And so that's how we made the connection. So then I was just like, well, you want to be my valet? And she was like, absolutely. So I was like, well, see you at the next show. Now, uh, how, just for our listeners, like, how do you feel the valet really complements to the, to the performance in, for wrestling? Um, other, as a heel, they're a great a vehicle um, because, you know, they can distract the ref for me. They can, um, you know, do a lot of different things. I don't know how inside baseball you want to get, but in terms of, you know, keeping the flow of the match and keeping things moving, they're great vehicles that way. They certainly keep the crowd going. That's for sure. Exactly. How did it feel performing with her the first time? Did it just feel natural? Uh, for me, it did, because um, I've been doing this now for about 15 years. Um, so it was just another day at the office for me. Um, she was extremely nervous. 15 years, that's a lot of time, man. Oh, yeah. What are some of your favorite places that you've performed? Oh, definitely. Uh, Amarillo, Texas is definitely a favorite. Um, the crowds out there are always amazing and very passionate, very old school type wrestling fans, um, which is my love. Um, so Amarillo's always got a soft spot in my heart. What uh, in terms of like um, uh, companies that you've worked for? I mean, like you've worked for a lot so far. I've seen your face on a, a shitload of posters. Uh, oh since, yeah, since I got here, Iron Hills. Uh, call uh, CSW, uh, obviously um, New Era. Uh, you're you're pretty much everywhere, man. Good for you. Yeah. Um. In terms of companies that I've worked for, I would have to say the top two um, would definitely be Primos. Um, Joey runs a very good uh, company there, and again, WWA when I worked for them out in Amarillo, Texas was a great company. I love the work Rick does out there who now he's in charge of squared circle pro, which has moved to Lubbock, but both of them have great minds for the business. I feel bad, man. Cause I never get to make it to a primo show. All the major shows that I would even get to go to are sometimes usually on a Sunday and I got to get up like at 5. AM and that's like, uh, getting home from Denver by 3. AM. Uh, that's going to suck. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's I right. Guess- yeah. Yeah. I've gotten some good guys from Primos on the show, and it's uh, I've only heard nothing but good things. Um, one of the my favorite things about Colorado is, and I hopefully you can relate to this. Uh, the last time I was at New Era was actually recording with um, the 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 two uh, Austins uh, for uh, we just kind of just shooting their shit in the shit, and I put out on Facebook like, "Hey, come crash the party," and Lilith and Colt came by, and Josh came by too. Um, <laughs> Uh, the commentator, and we just had the funnest time. And afterwards, uh, I can't remember who who mentioned it. Just like you know, we're you know, it's not that big of a wrestling state. And I'm like, why the fuck not? In my opinion, like it really is. And I want like let's, let's fucking make it that way, man. Let's let's do that. And you know, the the they saw that like it 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 wasn't anger. It was just fury. Like this place is amazing. Let's let's do it. I mean, the way you're talking about Amarillo, I'd love for people to talk about Colorado like that too. Yeah, and it's 
it's really weird um, because it's not uh, a knock on the talent that we have or any of the companies that are running and the products they're putting out. It's more so, and I've experienced this now that I'm a burlesque show producer, um, Colorado is very, very stingy with their entertainment dollars. Um, it's very hard to get people in Colorado to leave their house um, on any given night. Um, but the good thing is they're also very loyal with those dollars. So once you get them, you've got them hooked. It's just getting them to come out. That's a that's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. The, the, like kind of like the way that the movie industry, like it's hard for anyone to go to the movies anymore because why? I've got a like a seventy inch TV and surround sound, and you know hopefully I can catch it on 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 YouTube or something like that. But even then, there's nothing quite like the thrill of the show and and the way the I love being part of the crowd. The crowd here is great, especially my first new era show. Everyone had their own gimmicks, and the crowd was into it. It's especially getting up, turning around, booing. I mean, they knew who you were right away. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and that's the the, the funny thing about Colorado uh, wrestling crowds. I would say probably, if I had to estimate, I would estimate that probably forty percent of them aren't wrestling fans, um, but they enjoy coming to see the live shows so they come every month but they're not your typical fans that are going to sit down and watch wwe aew new japan and all that stuff every week we have those too but a majority of them are people that came out to support their friends that may or may not have been on the show or somebody brought them with them and they just got hooked and loved the live feel that's a lot of friends man new era was packed the last csw show was packed yeah. that i went to um do you feel that there's a wrestling renaissance, and not just in terms of how good the indie scene is right now, like uh, AW, well, not really AW, but because uh, they're not really indie, but you, before AEW, uh, I feel like people are ready to like wrestling again. I, I would agree with you. I think probably I'd say within the next year or two, it wouldn't surprise me if wrestling experienced a boom like they did in the mid to late nineties, early two thousands. It's, it's getting to the point where people aren't embarrassed to wear their wrestling shirts out anymore. Like it was back in high school. Remember? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like Jesus, I probably have like four AEW shirts. I've got a, a Walter shirt that no one knows what the hell it is. Well, up until last year, but even then uh, it's, it's really blossoming. Uh, how do you feel that you're contributing to that scene? Um, for me, it's mainly um, getting the word out there, again, to either newer fans or people that may just be looking for a different form of entertainment. Um, believe it or not, the world of burlesque and wrestling, there's a lot of crossover. Um, a lot of the burlesque girls, not just uh, Lilith, but there's several that are huge into wrestling, and I never would have thought that. Um, and that's burlesque all over the nation. Um, they're starting to be integrated more burlesque and wrestling shows, uh, which is something that I'd like to bring to Colorado. Um, but, yeah, it's just getting the word out there that's a, in new formats, not just hitting up wrestling fans. That's an interesting point. I, I appreciate you pointing that out because uh, – Obviously, we for our loyal listeners, we focus on comic books and wrestling. In my opinion, 
they you know go hand in hand without even having to think about it. Uh, how does help me understand more about how burlesque really inter inter intertwines uh, with wrestling, in, other than just the the dancers also being wrestling fans? Uh, is it a production uh, value um, type thing or? Yeah, actually, like there's a lot of companies around uh, the nation that utilize burlesque performances uh, within their show, and like the performers are integral parts of the storyline. Like they're not all necessarily valets, um, but their routines become part of a wrestling angle, you know, to where guys are coming down and interrupting their routine. And then, you know, the wrestler has to come and stick up for them or the, uh, there's a very big performer on the scene. Her name is Lola Vanilla out of Kansas city or Louisiana. I believe um, she's delivering stunners in the middle of her burlesque routine. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, the worlds are, yeah, it's crazy. And then there's naturally there's Lucha Vavu. Um, which is probably the most notable burlesque and wrestling crossover um, that has featured guys like Scorpio Sky, um, Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan. Yep. Yeah. Um, and actually a company here, uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs, pretty much just used the Lucha Vavum business model, but instead of using burlesque, they naturally use stand-up comedians. Um, so yeah, the entertainment world, there's a lot of crossover with wrestling. And as you mentioned with comic books, I think the explosion of, you know, nerd culture in general, comic books, cosplay, anime, all that stuff with the Marvel movies breaking out and things like that. I think it's also helping to get wrestling back on that map. Are you worried that of overexposure right now in terms of the, the market getting flooded to the point where it causes a hindrance to this nice renaissance we're experiencing at the moment? Um, yes and no. I would say uh, the WWE has definitely overexposed their product. Um, they have way too many hours and too much content on their TV, but in a sense that has helped the wrestling renaissance because now people are kind of fed up with their product and are seeking out other alternatives. It, it worries me because I, I think maybe I'm just too ingrained in it and I'm thinking too hard about it right now, maybe in a couple of years. But in terms of like nerd culture, that sort of thing, everyone's really into cosplay, which is great. I love it. Uh, but my fear is, I guess um, uh, we, we've talked about it on the podcast a few different times, but I bring it up a lot because it, uh, it bothers me is how the rise in nerd culture has ruined Star Wars. Um, yes. It, do you get my parallel there? Like how good it used to be? And yes. then now everyone's like, everyone, I'm glad everyone likes Star Wars, but now there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And I kind of feel like Star Wars took the dive that the WWE did in terms of like, oh, we got to change this right now. And then all of a sudden the story doesn't make any sense. And then you've got a shit product. Yeah. And I'll totally agree with you, but I also think that much like comic books and things of that nature, there's the the fans that crave the old stuff can still find it. Like even um, the new show NWA Power um, that just debuted on Facebook Live and YouTube is kind of doing that throwback to the uh, late 70s, early 80s studio wrestling um, that I grew up on. Mm -hmm. um, so that's cool for me to see and like yeah let's bring that back so I think I think 
eventually there you'll be you'll have a flavor for everybody. So while WWE has kind of taken the product and run mainstream with it, um, you'll always have those offshoots that are not mainstream. You'll still be able to find the underground clubs. I, I guess I worry about becoming a dinosaur and being that that guy that was really in the Black Sabbath, thinking that Slipknot is you know crap. <laughs> like that's that's what I'm really right. worried about. That's what I'm really worried about. And I guess I just need to shut up about it and just enjoy things as they come. Now, uh, now that we've got a lot on our plates now, um, just if you had the choice right now, uh, would you go to AEW or WWE if you were given offers from both? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> well, well let's, let's, let's start, let's start, um, let's start a little bit, uh, lower on the ladder then. If you had the choice between New Japan Pro, Impact Wrestling, or Ring of Honor, or even NWA, which one would you pick? Because of me and my style, definitely I'd love to go work uh, with the crew at the NWA Power. Um, not a knock against any of the other companies. I think Impact has kind of hit their crescendo and plateaued. Um, um, I'm curious to see how the new exposure they're going to get on Access Television is going to play out for them. But yeah, I'm an old school guy, so my style, I would fit perfectly with nwa power um ring of honor uh i don't know i kind of see them as that almost like that hamburger stand that's still mom and pop but has a few franchises right um i i love the way new japan pro is my favorite um as as of as of right now because of their business model and how they they uh, rear their their flock, if to so to say, like with the uh, young lion program, and it, you know, it instills that yes. loyalty and uh, trust, respect. I love that sort of thing. But at the same time, though, all of a sudden, and I was asking my buddy this the other day when we were on a smoke break at work the other day, uh, the rise of Bullet Club and the elite, and then the elite leaving, really knocked the guts out of all three of those. Uh, uh, whatever you call them, like territories, uh, except for NWA, because they really didn't need it. Right. And then uh, we were discussing it because I'm not sure how familiar you are with the whole story, but what things would be going on right now if Meltzer hadn't tweeted that shitty tweet that indie wrestling, you know, couldn't sell out a couldn't sell out a major venue, and then Cody taking that bet, you know? Right. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, had that not happened, I fully, fully believe that all the members of the elite would be in WWE right now. Oh, that, oh, that made me nauseous. <laughs> uh. Yeah, like, and and it did for me too. I'm kind of glad they didn't go, um, simply because WWE wouldn't have known what to do with a Hangman Page, with the Young Bucks, with Kenny Omega, Cody. I, I think Cody would have been successful. He's been in the system. He knows now how to play the game. And with his new his new persona, I think he would have thrived had he went back to WWE. But, like, the Young Bucks, WWE doesn't care about tag team wrestling. They never will. No. Um, so they would have been wasted. They would have been brought in a hot product for maybe two, three months, 
probably would have got to see matches with them against the OC and the Revival and the New Day and the Usos. And then after WWE burned through those programs, they'd be back to sitting and catering every Monday and Thursday or Monday and Friday. Yeah. Um, before uh, I want to focus more on you, but before we get to that, um, are you enjoying AEW right now? I am. Um, I wasn't too enamored with their first episode. Um, I felt they could have did a little bit better to kind of explain who everybody was that people weren't used to seeing. Um, but I think they've rectified that and turned that around. So now you're starting to get the video packages that are kind of explaining, okay, who are these people? Uh, you, you, you picked my curiosity that you'd uh, want to go to NWA because I, I love Nick Aldis and I, I don't get to watch a lot of NWA, but it, it speaks to you uh, picking that sort of territory. Well, what about it really speaks to, says, you know, Eric Angel? Um, again, I was raised on the old school studio wrestling, um, the Superstation NWA Power Hour on 605. You know, that was my show. Um, because at the time, you know, I didn't get a lot of WWE. Um, and WWE didn't have as much content on. So basically there was, uh, I believe, it wasn't Monday Night Raw, but it was their, um, I want to say Sunday night primetime um, with Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. And then you had superstars early in the morning. But then, you know, NWA was there every Saturday. So it kind of filled that void. Um but yeah, that's my style. I'm very old school. I'm a very uh, pick a body part, work the hold. You know, guys like Arn Anderson, Magnum TA, Tully Blanchard, uh, early Ric Flair. Those are the guys that really spoke to me um, back in the day. Um, I really didn't get into a lot of the WWE because at the time when I was discovering wrestling, WWE still had the cartoony hokey gimmicks everybody had to have a day job type gimmick um with the garbage bin and the clowns and all that and that just wasn't my style uh that really makes me like you a lot more because it really bothers the shit out of me when someone gets hurt in the ring uh obviously work but and the other guy doesn't start working that injury man like you've got a target do it <laughs> like it it just makes sense exactly to me, psychologically just and then because then uh People don't realize the psychology. So they'll, where we see that, if they were sitting there watching it and then saw the guy just keep working that knee, like, whoa, that, like, like it, 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 it hooks you and they don't even know it. Why not do that anymore? Exactly. And, you know, I hear people say all the time, oh, well, that's the old style and fans don't buy that anymore. And I always cry BS on that. Um, in my own personal experience, for almost two years, in when I wrestled in New Era as Jefferson James, I got over a lariat as a finish and an homage to Stan Hansen. You know, I didn't have to do the 450 splashes and all that stuff and 19 power bombs or whatever. You know, I legitimately got fans to buy in that if I hit this clothesline, the match is over. And so it's all in how you present what you're doing. It's not what you do, it's how you do it, which was always the basis of the old school NWA style. Uh, you said something that picked uh, my interest there uh, that adds more to that good story. Uh, in, in terms of New Japan, when you saw a one-wing angel or a rainmaker, they protected your finish because once that happened, it was yes. over. And it, it just it just grabs you. And I, I don't like the – well – 
I mean, if you do it, that's fine. But the way they do it in WWE, where it's like, man, like that that Hell in the Cell match a couple weeks ago. I mean, really? How many curb stomps did Bray Wyatt take? Like, you're not protecting Bray Wyatt. You're not protecting Seth R uh, Rollins' finisher move. You're only pissing off the crowd, and they showed it. <laughs> they stayed there to boo. Yeah, like, like, exactly. Like, and guys, especially young guys coming up, like, don't realize, do you know how weak everybody that faces Seth Rollins after that match in Hell in the Cell now is going to look if they get beat off of one curb stomp. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how do you put anybody else against the fiend after that? Uh, I, I sure as hell don't know, but I felt like they were trying to, to milk the, or trying to get the feeling that they had or that we had when that Hell in the Cell with Mick Foley happened to just for it to scare you and for it to uh, make it feel like it was real. And they, 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 they botched it and they, we're not having it. Well, I'm not. Um, in fact, uh, Lilith and Colt were ragging on me that I needed to be sold on The Fiend. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? What do you mean you need to get sold? And I'm like, oh, I'm just not buying it, man. <laughs> no. And like, I knew at the finish, like, after the fourth stomp, I knew right away what Vince was going for with it. Vince loves movie monsters. Mm. Um, that's no secret. Anybody that has talked about Vince knows that um he loves movie monsters and vince was trying to get that same horror movie feel of when you think you have jason beat or you have freddie beat and there's that final pop-up and that scare mm -hmm. it was just executed so hokey and so poorly that that's why there was a backlash and uh, another reason why there's a backlash is because people are starting to get smartened up about what wrestling is and we're having to find they're having to find oh, all the indie people or everyone's trying to find a new way to get people to pop or for it to in some way feel real even though you know it's choreographed but it's because of people like you that are building up good storylines and that's one of the reasons we do minefields is to find good wrestlers and say hey tell us all about yourself man and thank you you know i'm not i'm not blowing smoke up your ass but that match i saw live you kicked some fucking ass and it i was telling the the boys like, it's hard for me to enjoy things sometimes when I'm in the business, like when I'm doing comics, because I'm worried about when I see someone else's comic, I'm like, oh, man, I'll never be that good. Or like, God, I want to be that good. It kind of robs me of enjoying it. But you guys had me as a fan that night. And uh, that's my best way of giving you a compliment from my heart, I guess, if that sounds in any way coherent. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, no, you're totally right. And like, I have to watch every wrestling show at least twice because I allow myself the first time to just watch it as a fan. Mm -hmm. Let me just see, you know, I just want to watch it, shut my worker brain off and just watch it as a fan. And then I'll go back and watch it again. And that's when I'll start picking apart and be like, well, why they do this? Why they do that? That ending was dumb. Like. What are some of your uh, favorite wrestling matches that you've seen uh, lately uh, that are uh, indie? Uh, keep it Colorado. that uh, uh um death match at primos was pretty badass i wish it could have been there that was good uh that's always a, a good fun time um actually the best one that sticks out in my mind uh two actually and they're both uh primos matches um the first one would be a triple threat that, that was justin to air austin logan 
and Ace Perry. And the second one was Ace Perry against Delta Jr. Who would love Delta Jr.? Everyone. Yeah, he's he's really good. Everyone loves those guys. Uh, who are some of your uh, your your bros in the business right now? Um, if you don't mind me asking, I, I don't want to ask you who your favorite guys to work with, but who are your bros? You know that you guys are uh, are tight in the in the wrestling scene. Um, you know, I kind of keep my circle fairly small just because I don't deal well with drama, and there's a lot of it to be found in the wrestling business. But certainly, you know, Elias Castaneda. Rob Ryzen, uh, Noble, um, and probably Joey T. I am the provider. I'd have to say would probably be my closest confidant in the business. And then naturally, I have the guys that I helped train that I kind of look at as my kids, which are Xander Creed and War Dog Damian Payne. Anyone that you see up um, and coming that we should keep an eye on? Definitely uh, Logan Austin. Um, good kid, has a good head on his shoulders, can do a whole lot, and hasn't even really grown into his adult body yet, because he's still, you know, in his late teens. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when that kid hits his prime, he'll be ready to go. He he gets it. He's definitely one to watch. Um, I like what I'm seeing out of Balaam Lynx. He's still very young in the game, um, but if he keeps it up, uh, definitely has a future, and uh, there was a kid uh, at Primos who is off at college now, but uh, young Sun Koo um, had a lot of potential, so I hope he sticks with it um, and can find a new area. I think he's up in Seattle, um, and they've got some good programs up there. Um, but yeah, th- those guys definitely, if they stick with it, keep an eye on them. Um. Uh, I get to see you tonight, actually, in Colorado Springs, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, CSW. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'll, be, I'll actually be running the sound. I actually just got your, your theme song in my email, actually, to make sure I had the, the right file. Um, we've got, what do we have here? Why'd you pick this song? Um. So the current incarnation of Eric Angel is that of the Devil's Ace. So I wanted something creepy. Kind of semi-demonic, um, but now I'm switching it and sprinkling a little more of my old franchise persona into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted something hip-hop as well, so I figured what better way than to use the I Got Five On It remix from the movie Us that just came out recently. Um, and then naturally, you know, having the Canadian in the background, that distorted Canadian national anthem. Um, just fit perfectly as an intro. Do you consider yourself a heel or a tweener or a baby? <laughs> I, um, first, I'm a firm believer there are no tweeners. There's just either baby faces or heels that suck at their job. Um, but I am definitely a heel. I am the heel. That's I. My tagline is I'm the king of heels. Uh, that makes me happy because I I I'm a I'm a heel guy, man. I'm always rooting for the bad guys. Uh, very few times have I ever like popped for for the good guy. Uh, big guns got me right off the 
that. Like that's I really dig that guy. I, and I hope he's doing well right now in a in the sandbox. But when I first saw him, like, cause I, I don't like Goody Two Shoes. Like, like I don't like John Cena. That whole Boy Scout shit. And like I don't I, I don't want nothing to do with it. I want demons. I want violence. Uh, I want <laughs> I want people running up on people backstage. Um, that's my favorite stuff. But Big Guns, man. He just... go ahead. Yeah, and that reason. Is, that reason is exactly why it is very hard to be a babyface. Um, if you're a babyface in the wrestling industry, you have the hardest job out there. It's easy to get someone to hate you. It's very, very hard to get someone that doesn't know you to like you. That's a that's a really good point because uh, people, I don't think people instinctively want to see the hero win anymore, as opposed to the way it used to be when things were a little bit more black and white and in our American culture um, back when we were the good guys and they're the bad guys. Now it's getting to the point where people are questioning a lot more things where uh, you, you see the guy in, in GI Joe and, and some people don't like the military anymore. Like, that's just how it right. is now. Um, but yeah, you're yeah, right. And I think also it's more that, you know, wrestling has always been that kind of extension from life. And, you know, back in the 80s, it was easy to get a guy like Hulk Hogan over because America at that time was rah, rah, USA all the way. Mm-hmm. Now with, you know, the way the world has, you know, shaken out over the past couple of years, people are realizing that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, sometimes the bad guys do win. And I think the more wrestling starts to reflect that, the, the fans are more receptive to that it's not that they dislike roman reigns or they dislike john cena they just don't buy that these guys are winning all the time it's not realistic anymore for someone to constantly overcome every single obstacle they face and do it with a smile on their face um i think i think that's why randy orton is probably the top guy in wwe right now is because you know he gets that reaction because Randy has never said whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. He does bad things, but he also is very relatable to where it's like, yeah, this guy's kind of a jerk, but <laughs> yeah. there's a reason why he did what he did. Uh, my favorite thing he's ever done was when they quote unquote, this is like four years ago, they quote unquote suspended him. And he said, no, I'm not leaving the building. And he just RKO'd people out of nowhere, like backstage, like poor Heath Slater's like walking and catering with his tray and just boom. <laughs> I, yep. I, God, I was dying, man. He like he was getting camera guys like walking to the can. That was so much fun. Uh, but I never thought yeah. of him that way, man. Good point. Yeah, I love that. I think that's why they have a trouble keeping Brock Lesnar a heel is because Brock is real. Brock is as real as it gets. Yeah. And it's, I always tell people, I'm like, Brock's not a heel. Brock's a baby face. And even though people try to argue, I'm like, look at what he does. Brock doesn't lie. Brock says what he's going to do and then goes out and does it. Brock doesn't cheat to win. He beats everybody clean. I think he's, since he's left UFC to come back to WWE, he used a low blow on The Undertaker maybe twice. But other than that, Brock does what he says and says what he's going to do. That's classic babyface. By definition, you're correct. And uh, I, I'm, I'm going to ask your opinion on this. Now, uh, Velasquez coming in, I, I've, I'm kind of torn on it. Uh, I love it because it's hard to believe that Brock Lesnar can lose to anybody because he's Brock fucking Lesnar, and we've seen what he can do in the, in the octagon. 
And so it's hard to believe when what you know that he might lose to anyone in the WWE. Bringing Velasquez is someone that has legitimately kicked his ass is awesome. Yep. However, I... however, I I don't like them bringing in some uh, UFC guy that just gets a hair up his ass. Oh, let me go make a you know you know fifty G's real quick, and then push some of the dudes that have been you know, stealing some airtime from some of the guys in, in the locker room that are riding the pine and sitting at, at catering. I'm torn between this. I am as well um, for the same reasons. And um, I think WWE is shooting themselves in the foot. I think they're leaving a lot of money on the table because had they had saved this for a WrestleMania program, maybe introduced Kane now, but then give him time to actually learn how to wrestle. Um I think Correct. it would have been a money-making WrestleMania main event. Um, I, I'm still holding out hope that they'll do something hokey or some kind of swerve, and the match won't take place at Crown Jewel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely too soon for him to be in the spot that he's in. I get why he's there, but... It's the story that could have been told, again, is being rushed. And I think WWE shoots themselves in the foot um, so many times by hot-shotting angles like that. And, it, and you, you brought up another good point is learn to wrestle. Uh, you got to protect the boys. These guys don't know what they're doing. The way that uh, I hated Goldberg because he didn't know how to wrestle and he hurt people. And I'm, I'm, yep. still, I'm still sore about him uh, taking out Hitman. I'm still sore about him just deciding to come back and then taking the belt off of my boy Kevin Owens after a solid nine months of solid awesomeness. And you just, oh, okay, let's, you know, everyone wants to see Goldberg again. Well, you know, screw it. Let's, you know, fuck you. Uh, thanks, thanks, Kevin Owens, but sorry. <laughs> exactly. But, but yeah, definitely. Like, Kane has had one match and it was a six man tag and he was very protected. I mean, I did see the match. Some of the things he can do are great, but in terms of the kind of match that people are expecting him to put on with Brock Lesnar, the best he can do, if I was to be the agent on that match, I would have to tell him, just go out there and fight, man. Don't try to wrestle. I was like, if you wrestle, it's going to look crappy. Just go out there and do what you do best and try to fight Brock Lesnar. Work it, but still try to fight Brock Lesnar. Right. I mean, if 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 something happens, it happens. I mean, like Lesnar. One thing is he's hyper aware of what's going on. Remember when he uh, dished out that receipt to uh, Braun Strowman and that Kane match, and he he hit him too yep. hard, <laughs> and Brock came back. <laughs> that was a- yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking for me, if the match takes place at Crown Jewel, what I would do if I was if I was booking it and producing it. Kane goes out there. Maybe you have Brock get the early wrestling advantage on Kane, and then Kane realizes I'm losing this. I need to just fight. Kane hits that double leg, starts hitting the ground and pound. Brock bails and says, "Screw this, I'm out." Takes the belt and goes home and pulls a Ric Flair. Takes the count out. Kane Velasquez wins. Your fans are happy. Brock Lesnar stays the champ. Then you can build up to the rematch. I'd, I'd be down with that. I would be. I would be okay with that. I would be okay with that, and uh, wow, it it okay. You got me like my my mind spin at the second. Also, I'm drinking as much coffee as I 
as I possibly can. And I, I appreciate you uh, dealing with Skype, man. There's like such a little bit of a delay, but I appreciate you getting on, on the show today. Um, before we uh, wind down here, because I know you got to get ready, um, who are some of your guys? Like your like uh, who who are your favorite guys when you're growing up, and who are your favorite guys now? Uh, favorites growing up, naturally, I'm a child of the '80s, so yes, I was a Hulkamaniac. Still have my original Hulkamania red and yellow with the rips in the back shirt. Um, but the guy that actually started it all, and I am a fan of his and will be forever is Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, if you watch a lot of my work and listen to a lot of my promos, you can see that Jake influence. Um, it's why I don't yell in a lot of my promos. Um, I got that from Jake and Arn Anderson. Um, so those are my those are my guys back then. Now, um, I love the Undisputed Era. Um Fans of theirs, fans of the Velveteen Dream. Oh, we love Velveteen. Um, and a guy who I swear is going to be the next big thing in wrestling. And if AEW is smart, they will never let his contract even remotely come close to expiring. Can I, and can if I, he can stay healthy, can I guess? is MJF. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes. Can't guess, but yes. yes. M- MJF is the man. I, he is a star. And right now in AEW, outside of the ex-WWE guys or the elite, he is the only star in AEW. <laughs> I love that guy. And uh, the, you're, you're so right. I saw a video of him yesterday where he was coming out. He had his – he of, of the venue, he had his briefcase or suitcase. And they're like, MJF, you're my favorite. And, like, uh, he goes up to the guy and just – knocks his hat off of him and just storms off but to a, to the layman they would see oh come on you're, you're dissing on your fan but if you knew anything about wrestling that fan was popping so he would have been so disappointed if mgf hadn't have been shitty to him because that's what he needed to do exactly exactly <laughs> and, and exactly walked, mjf is the guy to watch <laughs> he walked away giving the bird and everyone was like yes and then i saw on i don't know if you've seen it on pro he has a scarf for sale that's like 40 bucks and, and printed on it. It says, I'm too poor to afford a real scarf. Like, <laughs> oh, That's great. That is great. Yes. That hedge fund, trust fund gimmick that he rocks is beautiful and brilliant. And he plays that up to a T. So much so to where I assume that's really him. Like, I've heard he's a nice guy, but... I'm assuming that's who he is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what wrestling needs now. We don't need the hokey gimmicks. Like, I don't want to see, you know, Roman Reigns, the badass, and then next thing you know, you know, he's on a commercial with his daughter, sipping tea. Yeah. I don't want that. I want a guy that I believe this is you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Uh, no, he's, he's one of them. The, the other guy, I, would, uh, I was either going to uh, – Picking who you'd pick, and I was thinking of MJF, Darby Allen, or Hager, and um, yeah, you picked the right one. <laughs> you picked the right one. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really. Hager, I'm cu- I'm curious to see where he goes. Yeah. Well, I hope. I hope and how he's gonna do outside the WWE. Hope he stays there a really long time. Um, do you think that? Uh, well, they they well, they haven't made any mistakes yet. And. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really curious. I'm even more so curious to see what happens when he loses his first fight in Bellator. No. 
Bellator is hot right now. Like it's yeah, and it's easy to it's easy to pump a guy up when he's undefeated. But I want to see how AEW reacts and what they do with his character when and if he finally loses. Uh, I, I I actually have to cheer for the guy. Uh, I graduated with him. Uh, we were in the same graduating class at OU, so I I have to cheer for the guy. So, but I, I hope he. Oh, I nice! Still, That's cool. I still hope he does well. But you got to get ready for a show tonight, man. Let's wind this down. Tell us how to uh, find you online. Hey, yeah, you can find me on Facebook at Real Eric Angel. Um, that's where I have I have both a add the friend request page and I also have a like page. Um, if you just search for Eric Angel, you'll find me. Um, or you can go and like my tag team page. I have a tag team like page, which is the Canadian Pitbulls. Um, and that's pretty much it. I have a Twitter, but I'm rarely on it. Um, but that's just at Real Eric Angel. Well, uh, thank, thanks again, man, for being on the show. I hope you feel better by the time you get to the venue today, man. And uh, this is this was gold, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Anytime you want me to come on back and talk some of the business, I'm more than happy to do so. Yeah. And as for tonight, if I can clear up this congestion so I have my wind going to beat down Animal Sam at CSW, then, you know, more power to me. <laughs> I agree, man. Don't don't hang up. This is a uh, minefield. This is dangerous. Eric Angel, Joshua Michael, out.